So there's a story in the Bible, and this, I'm going off script a little bit, but that shouldn't freak all of you out, just my wife. Um, <laughs> Jesus is riding in Jerusalem, and he's on a donkey, and they're heralding that the coming king and the Messiah is there, and they're, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory in the highest, and they're throwing down palm branches, and they're throwing down their coats, and they're welcoming the king of the Jews, the king of glory, into the city. Uh, the Pharisees, the religious guys of the day, they get mad. And they look at Jesus and they go, teacher, stop your disciples. They are, they're, it's, they're, being, they're being heretics. They, they should not be yelling this about you. And he looks at them and he says, surely if they did not, the rocks themselves would cry out. And I always wonder what it would look like for a rock to cry out. Like, does that mean like it just opens its mouth? I mean, like, what does that look like, right? And so we gather in the name of an infinitely holy, terribly huge God that I can't even have words to describe to you that looks at us in his holiness and says, I want you to come into my presence. I want to know you, but you can't because you're sinful and sends his perfectly holy son, Jesus, to bring us into with his righteousness to that God. And now we have gathered in his presence. And what we need more than anything is Jesus to do a work. Just as much as when you first got saved, we need Jesus. And so what we're, gonna, what we're talking about the, this week and the next couple weeks is your God is too small. So we all know God is huge. We all know God is amazing. We all know it. I'm pointing at your head. We know it. But there's a life that should be lived in response to that that I think is lacking in a large portion of the body. And so last week, I mean, we just talked about if God took our sin, if you are, if your slate has been washed clean and you have the righteousness of God and there's no condemnation, shame, or guilt anymore, we are the freest people on the planet. Like we should be giddy, stupid, happy about it all the time. Do you know what he did? That's what we should be like all the time. But we're not. Why? Because we've, by our unbelief, devalued, undervalued, undersold the finished work of Jesus. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to talk to you about today, and then we're going to ask Jesus to apply it to our hearts before I ever talk. If we get out of the prayer time, I'll count it a blessing, because it'll be great. Jesus says to his followers before he goes back to heaven, lo, if you're in the King James, behold, if you're in ESV, I am with you always to the end of the age. And if that is true, every Christian in this room, Jesus is with you. And you have either made that so small it means nothing or you've made it like a proverbial, like existential, like, oh, he's with me, that's so comforting. But no, he's with you. And if you walked around this earth as if Jesus Christ himself was with you, nothing would be the same. You'd talk different, you'd love different, you'd think different, you'd do everything different. I'm about to do my whole sermon before I even get... It's amazing. This truth should be heralded that I'm never alone. God is with me. And some of you are like, well, that's just high thinking. God's on his throne. How can he be? That's what we're going to talk about. But I need, we're going to need God to give us eyes to see it. That his word, I'm all I'm going to do. And this is, this is my full confession to you. And I have to, I think, probably repent a little bit. You're like, repent. I need to repent of ever trying to entertain you. I'm not an entertainer. Did you know that? This is not a show. You didn't pay $27.50 for a nice little 
I am going to offer you something. I'm going to offer you the eternal, holy, living word of God. It's what I'll give you. It's all I got. If you take it and believe it and receive it and walk it, your life will never be the same. Let's ask Jesus to do that. Take that word we're about to read and apply it to us. Jesus. Like I said, I don't even care if we get out of this prayer time, Lord. It'd be amazing if you just showed up in power in this room, and I just don't even have to talk. You do the talk. And so, Jesus, you're welcome in this place. We are gathered in your name. If we didn't praise you, I think this stage would worship you. This, these cla- like everything in this room would, the point of the universe is you are worthy, you are holy, you are amazing. And so we join that song and we say, you are worthy of everything, God. You are worthy of our praise, our lives, our money, our everything, Jesus. You're worthy. And so Jesus, Holy Spirit, come in here and apply the word to our hearts. Your words, your words that you spoke to your people were, your word is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And I pray that it would cut. it would cut deep and we would not leave here the same way we came in. Jesus, you are worthy. And if you're with me and you're with all my brothers and sisters, reveal it to us, show us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So please grab a Bible, go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, uh, verse 18. Uh, As we head there, this is what I've observed Uh, we say things with our mouths all the time. God is big, God is holy, God is with me. Uh, That's not a new thought, God is with us. His name, Emmanuel, Jesus' name means God with us, right? So if that was true and we believed it, like we believed it and walked it out, we would never be afraid. But why is there so much fear in Christianity, right? Why are we afraid about everything? We have the living, eternal, holy God with us in us, which we're about to find out. Uh, on top of that, like, it feels like there's just a degree of uncertainty in, Christian, in Christians' lives that I see. So it's almost like, oh boy, I hope this Jesus thing works. I hope in the end this pays off as if that's the fullness of the faith and assurance and the hope that we should have in Jesus, right? I feel like God's like, I've given you a little bit more than like, I hope, Right? And so when I look at what we proclaim and what the Bible teaches, I'm like, but why are we living in this lower, downshifted form of it? And so today, as we look at this idea of Jesus being with us, let's just, be, let's just do what we should always do. Let's start with God, all right? Let's start with who God is and how big he is and how we can't even get our mind around him. You're in Matthew, but I'm going to read three verses to you just to paint the picture of who we're dealing with, who's with us, all right? Psalm 145, great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. Now, I love words in the Bible because they mean things. Unsearchable. You can't fathom. You can't get around. Even if you got into the greatness of God and got to like see a little bit of it, you couldn't search it. That's what unsearchable means, right? So you and I don't have the ability to fathom how beautiful and holy and big and glorious he is. Book of Isaiah, chapter 55 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So the way that God thinks and perceives and knows things and the way that God does things is completely different than you and me. It'd be like tonight, if you go out and you look, actually right after this, go go and look at the sky and try to get up there. See if it works. If it does, I'll be like, wow. (laughs) Right? But you can't. That, that, That gap between the heavens and us is just what God says is the difference between the way that you think and the way that he thinks and the way that he does things and the way that we choose typically to choose to do things. I'll give you one more. Uh, Romans 11 says, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? The answer is no one. No one has known the mind of the Lord. And no one gets to say to God, did you think about? Because no, right? Because he knows. Because he's big. Because he's holy. Because he's everything and everywhere and knows all things. And I know some of you right now, you're like rolling your eyes a little bit like, let's not oversell. Yes, oversell God. You can't. We serve a God you can't over-exaggerate which should make you get like real low when you come to worship him. And so here's the, uh, it's just been rotating in my heart. Wouldn't it be a bummer when we get to heaven to realize that we miss so much? Wouldn't it be a bummer if this God who has revealed himself in his son wanted to do so much more through you and in you, but we were scared or we just didn't know how? Or maybe we built a box of theology that said he won't. So what if Jesus wanted to move and use you? And I'm pointing at all of you. I don't have enough hands. But all of you to bring his kingdom to bear on this earth. What if God wanted to show up right here in this room, but we ignored him? What if God himself was with you everywhere you go, Christian, but you ignored him? But he's willing, he wants to lead you, he wants to guide you, he wants to bring you out of fear, but we're like, I don't know, I just don't believe it, right? So let's walk in it a little bit. Matthew 28, 18 has a truth that we're just gonna sit on all day. I'm gonna show you that it's throughout the entire Bible, uh, and then hopefully you'll walk out of here actually believing it. If you combine this idea with there's a holy God who's kind of like the sun. You can't get close enough without getting burned up, but Jesus makes a way for us to come to God. Now combine that thought. He didn't just save us and combine it with this. Matthew 28, 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold... I am with you always to the end of the age. What's the word always mean? Thank you, always. They told me in English class I'm not allowed to find words with a word, but always, always, all the time, never not a time, wherever you go, Christian, I am with you always. Does that not change everything? Wait, should that not change everything? Should that not make me Less scared and more like, what you got, Jesus? What you think? I'm afraid. I mean, like, we're just constantly, he's with me, right? 
Now, here's a question you should ask, and I know some of you higher intellectual people are like, well, that promise is for those guys he's talking to on that hill. Is it? Or is that promise for you and me? Because if that promise is for you and me, I want to walk in it. I want to I walk, walk to the gym tomorrow, and I want to go to Kroger the next day, and I want to know that Jesus is with me, and that he's living and alive, and that he speaks, and that he's moving, and he wants to use me to bless people and to show them that he, they can know him too. This is your call. This is our invitation. So, lo, behold, look at it. That's what he's saying. Behold it. Stare at it. Understand this. I am with you always. So let's break this down. When you come to Jesus and you go, Jesus, I realize that you, God, are holy and that I can't come to you apart from coming to you, Jesus. Jesus says there's an act that happens, that you are born again. That you are born, you are something, you are dead in your sins, and then you're born and you're made something completely new. This lines up with 2 Corinthians 5, which says you are a new creation in Christ. So I was one thing. I used to love other things, myself mainly, and then I came to Jesus and I was made into something new. You add on to that, John 14, when I was made a new creation and born again, I was indwelt with the very Holy Spirit of God. Now everyone freaks out because they're oh, you're talking about Holy Spirit again. I'm talking about God, the third member of the Trinity that makes up the one, three and one, claims me, seals me, and now I am a son and I can cry out Abba, which means dad to God. On top of that, Jesus just said, you'll never be alone. Now, we have so ruined this idea. So we have kind of made this kind of mushy and like, oh, that's so warm, like a blanket with that footprints poem thing. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, it was, it's like the, there was two sets of footprints, and then there was one. I was like, well, Lord. It's like, that's when I carried you. And we were all like, oh, Jesus, thanks. Right? That? If we actually lived like Jesus was this, that there were two sets of footprints everywhere we went, would you not live different? So in your class tomorrow, Jesus is with you. When you're disciplining your kids, Jesus is with you. At the grocery aisle, Jesus is with you. It, see, see how, oh my gosh, a whole new world. I want to sing Aladdin to you. Right? Je, like Jesus is with me. Wow. But we've made that small. We've made that so small. We, we don't even think about that because we, you almost feel wrong. So some of you are like, let's just do this. Go to John 17. In case some of you are thinking, that doesn't apply to me. He was talking to those guys. John 17 is called the high priestly prayer. This is Jesus praying for his disciples who just realized he's leaving. And he's going to pray for them, but then he's going to pray a very interesting thing over them uh, that includes you and me in it. So John 17, verse 20. We'll stop a couple times, but just note his language. <clears throat> I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So let's stop right there. Uh, those that will believe through their words are you and me. We believe that Jesus is the Christ, the, the Son of God, because of their testimony, because of their words. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the gospels declare it. We believe by their testimony that Jesus can save. So we are them. He's praying for us then that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Now, verse 23 is important. I, what's the next word? In them, what? I in them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. So not only does Jesus say, I'm with you wherever you go, you have Jesus praying a prayer to his Father, which I think is pretty effective, that Jesus would be in you. That Christ, the Spirit of Christ would reside in you. So not only is it Christ with me, it's Christ in me. And what we're trying to live as Christians is Christ through me, out of me. Right? So if Jesus is with you, now picture your week this like Jesus was with you every single one of those situations. Did you ignore him? Or did you yield to Christ who's with you? And I think that's, that's the rub for some of us. The cool thing is, the one that's with you, he's got a lot of power. Verse 18 of Matthew 28. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority has been given to who? Church kids, just yell Jesus. Jesus, right? So all authority, and authority is a weird thing. We don't think about authority. The closest probably thing is probably like some kind of like boss employee relationship. So if your boss says to you, I want you to do this thing and you say no, what happens? That's authority, all right? And so we have Jesus who has all of it, all authority in heaven and on earth. So in the heavens, what Jesus says happens. And on the earth, what Jesus says happens. So if we want to break this down, this isn't wishful thinking. Jesus Christ is the Lord of the universe, which means he's the one with the authority over politics, government, business, entertainment, education, all of it. All of it. Which means Jesus has the authority over natural phenomena, the planets, stars, energies, you, your bodies, all of it. Now, combine that with He's with you wherever you go. So you have the one that has all the authority over everything with you. Does your life match? Does your life match? I know what your mouth says. I know what my mouth says. We we declare the creeds and the orthodox faith. Does our life match? That's what matters. Does your life match the declaration that he has all the authority and that he's with you? If we don't believe this, if we keep Jesus small and we don't really walk in this identity that he's with us, if we don't think that he has all the power and that he's in us and through us, you know what we'll do? We will retreat into a comfortable, self-obsessed faith. This is what I see happening in America. Because we've chosen to believe or not believe by our unbelief that God is actually with us, that he's real and alive, we've retreated into, I'll hold on by faith, hope this thing takes for heaven. Until then, I'm just gonna try to be as comfortable as possible. But if it's true that the living Christ is in me, 
I will end up in the most dangerous, weird, awkward places full of his authority, because he's with me, his love, because he loves people, doing crazy stuff and have no fear. And so as we look at this, what happens if we believe this? Uh, I think, I'll ask it in a question for you. How many rooms have changed when you walked in them this week? And you're like, what do you mean? I mean, how many rooms did you bring Jesus into this week and something changed because you brought Jesus with you? Because that's the beautiful thing we get to do as the people of God. We walk into a room, God, what's your heart here? What do you see? What do you want to do? You get to join God in calling men and women back to, to, to the Lord. But this is the, this is the rub. Most of you think, well, how did that, how does that happen? It happens all the time. It happens to every Christian on the planet, and you have a choice. So there's that weird moment where you walk in a room or you're having a conversation at the water cooler and you hear the Lord. I know you hear it. It's like a little ding. Tell him that I love him. And you quickly either decide that was your own ADD. God would never ask me to be uncomfortable like this. And then you get real awkward. You're like, oh boy. And then you walk away, right? So you had a moment where the living Christ inside of you was like, I'm gonna use you right now. And you were like, nope. Every one of you have had that moment if you're in Christ. Everyone. So I'll, I'll give you an example of how it happened to me um, this past week. So I, I'm a paper boy. Most of you don't know that. Uh, I, not on a bike, in a car. Thank you. So I deliver to all the Miami dining halls. It's like six in the morning, and I just get to pray and talk. But this particular morning, uh, I felt like the Lord was like, deliver the comics. And I'm like, What? that's dumb. And here's what happens is uh, I delivered to the Cincinnati Inquirer and they stuff the comics in there, which is the only thing anyone reads in that dumb newspaper. Uh, And for a week, they hadn't stuffed them. They had just given me bulk stacks of comics, expecting me to stuff them, which takes like three hours. So I was like, I'm not doing it. Straight up, not delivering these these comics. I'm just going to recycle them. And I know all you earth people are like, calm down. It'll be okay. The Lord was like, deliver the comics. And I was like, no, it's too much time. I'm not doing it. Deliver them. And then I had scriptures rolling through my head like, hey, you, you need to have you know, equal scales. You gave your word that you were going to do this job well. And I'm feeling all this. Like, I can't even pray at this point. I was like, stupid comics. I hate comics. Finally, I'm like, fine, Lord. I'll deliver the comics, but I'm not stuffing them. So I put them all in the stacks, and I go to deliver them. First, I walk into this first dining hall, and the janitor's there. And he says, hey, are there comics today? I've just been really wanting to read those. And I went. (laughs) So what I learned that day, that my obedience to what God's asking me to do has nothing to do with if I can see what it's going to produce. So you have these moments in your life, because Jesus is in you, that's scripture, where you can choose to yield to the spirit of Christ, or you can choose you. And I think this has been the rub for so long. We were taught that, yes, Jesus saves you, but he's nowhere near you, so you have to go to some room like this to figure out, no, he's with you. So every day I have opportunities to join Jesus in what he wants to do. So do you. I'll I'll add on to this. I don't think Jesus is just with me. I already said it in his prayer, but he's not just with me, he's in me. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 19. Go there real quick. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. There is context to this, and it matters. 
but it says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So why does context matter? Because he's talking to, to them about joining their bodies with prostitutes and sexual sin. That's the whole context, right? But the truth that stands is we are temples of the Holy Spirit. God indwells us. We are with the Lord. He, we are his. And more importantly, he says, you were bought with a price. You are not your own. And that's the rubbing point for all of us. Many of us in this room, the reason we're not seeing Jesus and the reason we feel like this Christian thing's not quite working is because somewhere in there, we tried to figure out how we could come to God and he could get us off this guilt train and this shame train and make us to heaven, but we could keep our life. You can't. You must lose your life. You must pick up your cross, deny yourself and follow him. And in that exchange, some of you are like, well, that's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of losing all this stuff. You're not losing anything. You're gaining life. And so as we look at this, you are not your own could be the biggest disconnecting point in this room. The reason some of you are like, oh, I want it to work is because you picked your life back up. Lose your life. I prayed a week ago. I said, God, is there anything in the way between me knowing you and seeing you? And you know what he said? He said, don't look at social media anymore. Through my phone. I was like, done. And some of you are like, not the social media. If I get God, is that not a great exchange? Is that not a great exchange? That's an amazing exchange, right? And so what we do is by our words, we say, you're worthy of everything. And then by our lives, we go, but don't take my Netflix social media workout or my life. And he's like, but I died for your life that I might give you real life, except you keep trying to pick up this old dirty life. Pick up my life, let me lead you, let me fill you, let me be your lead. I mean, he's with me right now, follow me, Andrew. You were bought with a price, you are not your own. And so Christ in me, this whole idea that Jesus is with me, enables obedience. When I realize you walk through your life this week as if Jesus is with you, it will enable you to be obedient. It'll enable you to walk in righteousness. It'll enable you to evangelize because you're no longer freaking out. Oh my gosh, I gotta give him a 17 point gospel presentation. No, all you gotta do is listen to Jesus who's with you and in you and do what he says. And it will be different. It might be, hey, can I pray for you? Hey, do you know Jesus loves you? And they go back with no. And then you're like, let me just tell you about this hope that I have. It's beautiful, it's free. It's not this like, here's a track. No, it's like, come, drink, eat, know the Lord that I know, right? Walk through your day at the grocery. Jesus is with you, Jesus is in you, and he wants to work through you. That makes the grocery so much more fun. Makes you a little weird, but it makes it fun, right? And don't think like, oh, I gotta talk to every single person. It's like you're with the kids, grocery shopping. You hear that little twang, like, pray, tell, her, tell her I love her. That's all you gotta do. Jesus loves you. And then let him lead you. Like, when I'm disciplining Abe, all right, so my 10-year-old, I love him, but when he's mouthing off, I've stopped being like, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm like, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Lay your hand on his shoulder and tell him you love him, and I love him too, and pray for him. 
Oh, he hates that. He squirms. <laughs> he squirms so much. You ever tried to pray for a 10-year-old? It's like, like exercising a demon almost. I'm like, calm down, bud. I'm just touching you, all right? At home with your family, driving away from here on the worst day of your life, on the best day of your life, Jesus is with you, Jesus is in you, and he wants to work through you. That's freedom. That's life. That's the gospel. Not that he was like, saved you, and then was like, good luck. He was like, I'll save you, bring you into relationship with the Father, and I'm never going to leave you alone, and you'll always have help. Wow, right? Not even trying to be crass, but like who looks at things online they're not supposed to when Jesus is right next to them, right? How are we even supposed to walk out scripture if we don't believe these basic things? So First Peter says, do not be anxious about anything. How are y'all doing? You doing okay with that? That's a command of scripture. Don't be anxious about anything. The number one thing we pray for people is anxiety. So why don't we start with the basics? Jesus says, I'm with you. The way that I cannot be anxious is, Jesus, I'm anxious. I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. What do you think? Okay, yes, yeah. I mean, like, right? But we don't live like he's with us. We live like, I got my life over here, and then I'll have my Jesus life on Sunday, and with my Bible study on Wednesday. But outside of that, where's Jesus? Jesus with you. I'll give you one more, and then I'll give you some application. Go to John 14, uh, verse 18. And we're totally going to be late, but it's going to be worth it. John 14, verse 18 is what I want you to combat, com- combat, 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 combat. It's a weird word. Cool. There's something that's going on in some of, your mind, some of y'all's minds right now. I'm talking about Jesus being in you. I'm talking about Jesus being with you and Jesus going through you. And somewhere in there, you've thought this thought but I don't feel it. Did you see that? I threw up. I fake threw up. Do you want me to do it again? Who told you this had anything to do with feelings? Who told, who lied to you and said this has anything to do with feelings? This has everything to do with standing on the very promises and the word of God. Jesus said he's always with you. I don't care if you feel it. I've walked into rooms, I don't feel anything. But I know the Lord's voice, and I know his promises, and I've seen his glory because of it. When are we going to stop being feeling-led Christians and word-led Christians? This is how I want you to fight this I don't feel it thing. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you, you, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So here's some promises, but you will see me. They won't see me anymore. I'm going back to the Father, but you will see me. And on top of that, he says, I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. 
The rub for some of us in this room is, once again, we decided to pick our lives back up, but did you notice what he said? He says, whoever has my commandments, everybody got a Bible? Then you have the commandments of God. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. Some of you are just desperate to see God move and work. Start with obeying his commandments. The promise of scripture is as we walk out. So that has nothing to do with feelings, right? Or some experience. That has everything to do with, I see God that you say that you're with me forever. I see God that you say that I need to tell people and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then I need to go make disciples. I'm gonna go in that work and I'm gonna trust that you're with me because if you're not, this is gonna be horrible. You ever try to do evangelism on your own, own power? It's real fun and horrible and condemning. You ever do like Jesus evangelism though? It's free, it's fun, it's life, man, All right? So whoever does my commandments, I will manifest myself. What's the word manifest mean? Manifest means make tangible. You can touch it, you can grab it. So if you wanna see God move in your life, you wanna see the glory of the kingdom of God, you wanna see Jesus with your eyeballs and things happen and people get saved, Walk out the commandments because you love them. Be obedient. And you're like, well, that doesn't sound like feelings or emotion. No! That sounds like loving the Lord and walking in his ways and treasuring his word over all things. And so here's what I want you to do. Two things. They're very Christian things, but they're, they should be changed a little bit. Number one, abide. 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 Now here's what we think about abiding. We sit. And we're like, come on, set, flow. But think about what I just talked talk to you about. The truth of scripture is that Jesus is with you, which means you don't have to come to some holy place, some mountain or anywhere. All you have to do is yield to Christ who's in you. So abiding is less about, oh, make, 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 make fruit. And more about yielding to when Jesus says, go, you go. When Jesus says there's sin, you repent. When Jesus says, like anything, you have the choice every day of your life. I promise you. Jesus is with you. He's in you and he wants to work through you. And the only way you're going to see him work through you is when you start surrendering your will and picking up his. So ask him. Do everything you do tomorrow. Start asking him, Jesus, what do you want to do? While you're brushing, anything you want to do today, God? As you're driving in your car, anywhere you want me to go right now, God? As you walk into your work, anybody in here, God, need your love? And what's going to happen is you're going to have a name pop in your head probably. It's going to be like, Suzanne. You're like, no, Suzanne. Right? But good thing this has nothing to do with your strength or your power or your love or your joy or your authority. But I tell you what, you would love Suzanne if you had God's heart for her. You would weep that Suzanne would be free if you had Jesus' heart for her. You, you, we would. So we have these moments where we are filled with Christ and it says, I am the true vine and my father's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may be bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. So stop trying to shove that branch of your life into the vine and live like, come on, vine. Grow! 
No, that's striving. What I'm asking you to do is be like, Jesus, I believe you're with me and that you're in me, and I surrender. Then things just flow. You ever met a, seen a vine? It's not like anybody's trying hard. It just happens. It just happens. Abiding is less about striving or turning on that just right mixture of worship music that I love and finding a nice little rug with a little sham and a nice cup of cocoa. That's not abiding. That's what's been painted up. That's not abiding. Abiding is whatever situation I find myself in, the grocery, the car lot, Miami University's campus, or slant walk, I, Lord, I surrender to you. That's abiding. Abiding is this act of receiving what Jesus is doing and then walking in trust in it. Receive, trust, receive, trust. The second thing I have, well, actually, what is flowing between these vines and these branches? There's three things that Jesus talks about. He talks about his word, he talks about his love, and he talks about his joy. So a good, a good indicator if you're abiding in Jesus is if his word's flown out of your mouth, his love is just oozing out of you, and you are just giddy, stupid, joyful. Does that sound like most Christians you know? No, me either. John 15, seven says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. John 15, nine, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you, abide in my love. John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Abide. The joy-filled life, the love-filled life is a life that honors the word of God and does what he says and trusts what he says, that he said he's with you. Live like it. Second thing I want you to do is seek first the kingdom of God this week. You're like, what is that? Well, once again, context matters. In Matthew 6, it says, but first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, right? Now, he's talking about clothing and what to eat and where to go and all that stuff, but he says, seek first what? The kingdom of God. Your first priority, your first thought, our first energy point, like the first thing I'm going to give my life to is the work of the kingdom of God. Not my kingdom, not my wants, not my will. So if you want to know how the kingdom works, you should probably read and understand how the kingdom works. If you want to walk in the power of the kingdom, you should probably talk to the ruler of it, Jesus, in prayer. Pray, read the word, and then finally, you're going to need to step out. And this is the part you all hate. Because at some point in time, you're going to be standing there and you're going to feel that little like, tell them that I love them, pray for them, pay for their whole bill. I don't know what it'll sound like. And you're going to have that moment of like, hmm, you need to step out and go, okay, I'm going to trust you, Jesus. I'm not going to walk away from you. I'm going to go with your will, not mine. I'm going to lay my life down and pick up yours. I guarantee you, you'll see the glory of God. And so here's what I will, abide and seek first. Abide and seek first. Jesus is with you. Does that change everything? I think it changes everything. If we would really believe it and walk like it. So what we're going to do is just give, us space, give Jesus space to deal with our hearts. Because I believe some of you, if you were to ask Jesus, and I'm going to ask him to show you this in a second, if you said, God, what's standing in the way of me knowing you and fully walking in life? He'll tell you. God's not up there like, ha-ha, figure it out. It's not the game he's playing with us. He wants you more than you want him. Which means anything that he can free you up from, he will if you'll surrender. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to position you. We're going to worship Jesus.
with communion, which is funny that we're talking about Jesus in us, because what communion is, is taking bread and juice as representing Jesus' body and blood and taking them in. We're eating the body and the blood of Christ and going, I belong to you. I surrender. That's what you're doing when you eat this. And so if you're not a Christian in this room, I'm not holding this back from you. I'm just going to ask you as respectfully as can, don't do this. Don't take communion. It will not save you. Jesus will. Jesus will take your sin, make you holy and able to know God, and he will never leave you again. Come do that with our prayer teams and then do this. This is a declaration of love, surrender, and dying to self and taking the life of Christ. On top of that, after you sit there for a while and pray, if you're in this room, we take seriously the Bible, and we believe that James chapter 5 says that if any among you is sick, call the elders. They're going to anoint you with oil and pray a prayer of faith, and you will be made well. And so there's going to be a whole group of elders standing by this cross over here, and if you have sickness, you need healing, you need anything, and I know some of you are like, healing? That's weird. No, that's Bible. And we will take the Bible serious enough that we'll do it, even if it feels a little weird to some of us. So if you have anything like that, the elders will be over there. Our prayer teams are going to be over here, and they would love to pray. Like, if, you need, if you're like, I want to know this Jesus. I want to know Jesus is with me. I have questions. Is he with me? I don't know what you need. Come over here. They'd love to pray with you, pray things off of you, read scripture over you, cry with you. I don't know what you need. So let's pray. And this is my only ask. There's no rush to get up here. This is a check for the hearts of people. This is actually not supposed to be some individualistic line thing. Did you know that? This is designed to be a community. We, the people of God, rejoice in the work of Christ that's done. And so if you're in here, maybe you got, you got beef with somebody on the other side of the room. The Bible says you need to go deal with that before you do this. That's a check. You see that? How you... You can't even let yourself do this until that's dealt with. So maybe you need to grab a brother and be like, take this with me so I can confess my sin to you. I don't know what you need to do. Jesus, we exalt you. I thank you that you're with us. And I know that I can't convince us. I know that I can't just make it reality in our minds and our hearts and make us walk it out, but you can. And so Jesus, apply that, that knowledge, word of God cut grow our faith. We believe, but help our unbelief. And in this moment right now, Jesus, I pray for all your kids, all my brothers and sisters, those that can cry out, Abba, because the Spirit's in them, that you would show them what's standing in the way between them and you. I thank you that you say that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us. There's no shame there. That's just, Jesus, I didn't want this. I'm sorry. Cleanse my heart, Lord. So for all of us, God, we just sit before you. And that you would speak and that you would convict and that you would shape us according to your will. We take your body, we take your blood, and we thank you for your work. We take it into us. And I pray that you would get glory and honor in all of our lives. In Jesus' name.